I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. couple of episodes in now and you totally get it. The But Why series asking all sorts of questions. These dialogues are going to get more raw, more real. And I am so grateful you're here. If you like this podcast, click subscribe, hit like, send me a message. I welcome questions, comments, gripes, and complaints. Also, check out my awesome books on Amazon. Okay, here we go. Next episode of the But Why series. David, it is awesome to have you back on the BU Find Happy podcast. I've got to tell you, I've been getting your emails since I had you on the show last, and they have been inspiring me uh, multiple times a week. So, so awesome to to get to connect again. How have you been? What have you been up to? Tell the listeners. Oh, Michaela, I am so happy to be back with you, my love. I, I had such a blast with you last time, and then having you with me, it's been just wonderful. Um. Well, I mean, you know, in the middle of this pandemic stuff, people talk all the time about, you know, how they can't be productive, they can't be creative. And so we take the opposite approach, Michaela. You know, we have eliminated all media nonsense. We don't follow the crap in Washington. We've we've really cleaned the plate. And because of that, in two days, I just wrote my 11th book, which is coming out in two weeks. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So first of all, uh, um, I am with you, uh, done with the mainstream media. That's been canceled as far as I'm concerned. Uh, shut down my social media for just a very short time. And with madness, unfortunately, I do feel like I have to have the social media for like, you know, podcast promotion and just the sharing brain bubbles and things like that. But it felt so good to for a half a minute. So talk to me about your new book. It's yeah. coming out. I can't, wait to, I can't wait to read it. Talk to me I'm, about it. This, wait till you read this, Michaela. We are blowing the mind. As a matter of fact, my publicist, TJ Toriello, he says this book is 50 Shades of Grey Meets Therapy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and wait till you hear the title. The title of it is 50 Plus Flavors of Erotic Love leaving the vanilla world for ecstasy. And Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the whole feel of the podcast. <laughs> okay. you know what? We went we went from talking about the law of attraction to the literal law of attraction. <laughs> this is good. This is good, David. Clue yeah. me in. Clue me in. What's it about? Yeah, so, you know, the 23 years ago, this is something a lot of people don't know about my work, but 23 years ago, I started working in alternative lifestyles, Michaela. Um, you know, domination, submission, some people wanted to get into the whole concept of swinging and open relationships. And and in the beginning, we worked with everything. And, and then we dropped the swinging, the open relationships, and we really just started to work on, and this is going to surprise a lot of people, 100% monogamy. And... In the monogamous relationship, the challenge that everyone faces is boredom. You know, I've been with my partner. I know how my partner kisses. I know how they make love. You know, I know what their body looks like. I know. And we get bored as hell. So over the years, 23 now, you know, 40 years in the world of, of uh, personal growth and 30 years in the world of general counseling and then 23 years in this one I call it a side program where I've helped people that were having emotional affairs, Michaela, people that were addicted to porn in relationships, people that were addicted to workaholism so they didn't have to be with their partner, people addicted to food and alcohol so they didn't have to be with their partner, and they're all coming in wanting to divorce. And I thought, okay, this is crazy. We have this these most beautiful erotic opportunities to get to know our partner. Most people, Michaela, this is the gosh honest truth, most people have no clue what their partner's fantasies are, what their partner's fetishes are, what, what turns their partner on. 
most women, unfortunately, don't know their body that well. They don't know all of the zones that are these amazing, filled with millions and millions of, of, of opportunities for us to flood the brain with dopamine and GABA and serotonin just through touch. So we created this, you know, and, and leaving the vanilla world for ecstasy says it all. What we're saying is this. If you're in a healthy relationship and you love missionary sex and you have it once a month and you're both happy, don't change a thing. If you've never looked at the opposite sex, don't change a thing. If you've never thought of having an emotional affair, a physical affair, if you're clear of all addictions, don't change a thing. Now, when I say that, that's probably about 5% of couples. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, it's, yeah. a I mean, you know, most people are addicted to porn because they're unhappy with their love life. They're, they're looking at the woman, the guy at work, the, the woman, the guy in the grocery store, you know, they're fantasizing while they're buying their freaking groceries for God's sake, but they don't know what turns their wife on and they don't know what turns their husband on or boyfriend or girlfriend or girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. So when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, you know, I read a half of the first book. And because I've been in this dominant, submissive lifestyle for so long, it's chaos and drama. I mean, that book is pretty insane. And, and I'm going to give you a great quote from my sister-in-law. Okay, this is just adorable. Now, my brother is very hesitant to read this book. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh it boy. Is, it's hilarious, you know. Now, he has skimmed it, but it's a little out of his zone. But his wife went crazy, Michaela. And, wow. and this is, and this is the, the text she sent me after reading our new book, which comes out like, you know, a week or two. Um, she said, David, I read all of the 50 shades of gray. And while I enjoyed them, I didn't really know what the heck they were talking about. Your book not only brings exciting erotic stories about couples on the verge of divorce that have come back together and they can't keep their hands off each other. But the other thing you did was you described the lifestyle in a way I can finally understand it. So now when I think back to Fifty Shades of Grey, I go, oh, that's what they were doing. That's what they were talking about. So this book is like a, an erotic handbook, Michaela, where it doesn't matter, you know, like if if you've never worn a mask, you know, an, an eye mask while you're making love. I was going to say, well, we've all worn a mask. <laughs> That's right. That's, I, I, I had to be. I had to clarify here. <laughs> you know, if 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 you've never had hot wax dripped on your skin, which is really quite erotic and beautiful, um, if you've never had your arms tied, restrained, while your partner makes love to you, I mean, there's a billion things you can do, and we're not even getting into the heavy stuff that I don't necessarily get into. But even oh, here's a cute story. Okay, so uh, and it's the very first story in the book from a client named Julie. Her and her husband had been married 25 years. They had fallen out of love with each other. They were looking at other people. They were both contemplating having an affair. And then she heard about the work I do with sensual erotic relationships, and she contacted me. And she said what everyone else says. Is there any chance of turning this marriage around? Because otherwise, David, I'm going to stay because I married him, and I'm going to stay, but I am going to have an affair. My emotional, physical, spiritual needs are not getting met. There's no excitement. 25 years, are you kidding me? I want to call it quits. So that was her first approach to me. So we worked together for eight weeks. I got her mindset totally turned around. Her husband eventually came in for the last couple of sessions, which he she told me he'll never come in. And then this is what this is what her husband said to me. He said, you know, I've always been very dominant in nature, and my wife is a wonderful, beautiful, submissive woman. But I've totally lost touch with my sensuality, my sexuality. Uh, he goes, it's not a midlife crisis. I just need something more. And getting into bed Saturday night to do the obligatory sex of the week event, I'm done. So we haven't had sex in quite a while because I need something more. So I asked them if they had ever role played before, which is an outrageously exciting thing for couples to bring into their relationship. And they said no. And so... I said, I want you to go and create a scene. You know, I want you to create something that's going to be very exciting. So, <laughs> Michaela, this is what they did. And this is so common in this world of erotic living. I love it. So he goes into a bar. He grabs a drink and he goes and sits in the corner near a lamp reading a book. This sounds like the start of a joke. That <laughs> yeah. A man walks into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, you know, if I would have said a priest, a donkey, and a, and a rabbi walked in, you would have been right. <laughs> so he goes and sits down, and 20 minutes later, you know, this woman comes up to the bar, walks up to the bar. She's dressed very beautifully. Her 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 shirt is cut very low. Um, she has a push-up bra, and she's looking very sexy. And, of course, the bartender's going crazy. And she orders a drink, and she's sitting there looking at her phone. And then she looks at the bartender and says, is that man single? And the bartender says, yes. And she says, can I buy him a drink? And he goes, I bet he's going to flip out. Yeah. And so she, he buys her a drink. So the guy goes and delivers it, and the, the man at the lamp picks the drink up, toasts her, and says, thank you. So he finishes the drink, and... He says, she says to the bartender, why don't you send him another one? So she sends another drink over and he looks up and toasts and then he motions her and she comes over and she sits down next to him. And he said, uh, you know, I really appreciate, you know, these drinks. This is very nice. And she said, well, you know, I'm very attracted to you. And he goes, well, I'm very attracted to you as well. Uh, and he goes, um, what are you doing right now? And she said, nothing. He goes, yes, you are. You're coming home with me. And she's all fired up, excited. Now we have 10 people in the bar watching the scene. He stands up. He says, grab my arm. Do everything I tell you to do. We're walking out of here. They walk out. Every guy in the bar is staring because he knows that she just picked him up. They get in the car. They go home. Their husband and wife. And they had incredible sex. So it's a setup. It's like. Our, our, our love life sucks. It's boring. What can we do to inject energy into it? Do we want to do scenes out in public like this, like two strangers meeting in a bar? Do we want to have someone wearing a, ma a masquerade mask? Do we want to have, you know, there's stories in there about there's an accountant. This is just adorable. And, you know, he never talked about sex to his wife. He never, ever was the initiator. He's this very laid back guy. And all of a sudden, one day she comes in, she, he's in the living room, he, he, she comes walking in with thigh-high leather boots on, um, this, these silk, um, I don't know what you want to call, silk gloves. Um, she's got the eye mask on, but this is now, you know, you can see her eyes like a masquerade max. And he went crazy. He had never seen his wife as a erotic, beautiful, sensual woman. And I like that. This is, I mean, this is all really good stuff, especially when people are stuck together right now. Oh, right now? You know, doing nothing, <laughs> doing literally nothing. And they can't even get away from each other because there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. I love that idea. I've got a question, though. I've got to ask this because I know I have got a lot of moms on that listen to this podcast. Sure. What about the ones that are that have you know, a, a five-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old at home. Well, How can they that's, create yeah, that's, these? That's all irrelevant. irrelevant. Um, you know, unless you're five and 10 and 11 and 12-year-old are sleeping in your bedroom, this should never be a block. Children go to sleep. Um, there, now, there might be some things, you know, like where I just said the husband's sitting in the living room and the wife. Well, you may not be able to do that until the kids go to bed. But there's there's nothing that we talk about in the book. First of all, Michaela, this is really important. That is illegal. There's nothing we talk in the book about anything outside of monogamy. What we're saying is there's there's 50 plus different ways that you can erotically turn on your lover instead of Internet porn, alcoholism, workaholism, affairs, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, you, but you're suggesting like put the kids to bed. You're talking about oh, that. Oh God! Because yeah. what I get a lot as a therapist is I'm exhausted at the end of my day. So, how, I mean, how can they create this when the kids, are, you know, like if they've got three kids at home, how can they find the time? How can they create the time? Because what I hear is, you know, my husband works all day. I've been with the kids all day. Uh, I'm by the end of the night, I'm fried. I, I don't have any energy. How how can they create that? Because what you're talking about sounds absolutely, you know, adventurous and fabulous and fun. But how can they how can like parents that have kids at home deal with that? How can they create that space? Yeah, it's the same thing with someone that wants to lose weight that doesn't have time. <laughs> we can come up with all kinds of excuses we want if you don't want to improve your marriage you will find that you have kids that you have a cat that needs to be brushed at 11 p.m that you need 
you, you have a dog whose, whose teeth need to be cleaned at midnight. You will find every excuse in the world. If you don't want to risk and be open and vulnerable and save your relationship, you're right, Michaela. You'll find every excuse possible. Here, I, lo- I love that you said it that way because that is so true. Are you hearing this, women? It's just an excuse. That's right. Um, put on your thong panties. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> make Michaela, it happen. You, you know, there's there's other stories we tell in there about you know, and because it doesn't have to be a huge scene. But let me tell you, uh, you know, this is another cute story. So, uh, I work, you know, I work with a lot of women who then eventually bring their boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands into the the you know the work that we're doing, right? Um, every once in a while, I have a guy contact me and say, God, you know, I read your article about emotional affairs. I'm in two emotional affairs with women at work. I want to love my wife. What the hell do I do? So we can turn anything around. But I I want to pause you for just a second because, uh, you know, I'm coming on married 10 years this year. And I got to say, I, I hear this, too. But I love I love the comfort of being married. I also love adventure and excitement. So I'm with you on everything that you're saying, but I, it, it makes me so sad that, you know, I feel like as a society, um, it, you know, the, 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 the pride and having earned that length of a marriage is like gone and not cool anymore. Like, I feel like we've created this loose society where it's cooler to go cheat on a spouse and get divorced and then realize that the next person's just going to be the same after five years and keep doing that crap. Then to embrace the beauty of like having that long term committed, trusting relationship with someone. Michaela, you are a thousand percent correct. And, you know, the longer you're with someone, especially if you follow what we're talking about in our book, 50 plus flavors of erotic love. The longer you're with someone, you do need to be responsible to bring more joy, more eroticism, more sensuality into your love life. Um, you know, and, and, and let me read the back of the book. Do you want monogamy with intense passion? Do you want monogamy with deep sexual excitement? Do you want monogamy with a mind-blowing erotic touch? That's what the book is all about. We, you know, in my last book, Love and Relationship Secrets that Everyone Needs to Know, we proved statistically that 80% of the relationships in our country suck. And it's statistically <laughs> proven. It is so easy to prove it, Michaela. I mean, listen, 55% of first marriages divorce. 62% of second marriages divorce. 68% of third marriages divorce. Now, that is a pretty disgusting set of statistics. But on the flip side, we have people that have found this type of life that we're treating with this book and teaching with this book. So many of the stories, as I mentioned earlier, people are on the edge of, of affairs. They're on the edge of divorce. They're on the edge of all this. And we were able to turn them around. Um, you know, myself, I, I've been in this, this lifestyle for 25 years now. Um, I'm referred to as a dominant. My, my partners have always been submissive. They always will be submissive. Um, and, and what I have found in our connection and one of my former submissives wrote the introduction to the book, which is mind blowing. She nailed it. I mean, she just did such a great job. But the thing is, is that when you're in this type of a lifestyle and you're connecting with your partner because communication is everything, you know, in the vanilla world, communication is not even discussed, talked about. We don't know squat. Most of us, and this is why 80% of relationships suck. Most people have never sat down with their partner and said, what really turns you on emotionally? Like not physically when I dress like this or dress like that, but what turns you on emotionally? How is it that you feel most connected to me? Michaela, when we did a study a couple years ago about the number of my clients that look in their partner's eyes when they make love, it was about 5%. Wow, that's really low. And when I ask my, my clients why, they don't know the answer. And I can tell you the answer. It's called a fear of intimacy. And in this lifestyle that we're teaching through the book, it's all about eye-to-eye contact. It's about... You know, and we say the dominant needs to totally, totally worship their submissive partner, and the submissive needs to totally worship their dominant partner. We have stories in there of women. Can the roles switch though? I mean, great can... question. Great question. Okay, so because I get, I feel triggered as a female by 
the idea, and maybe not just by being a female, but I feel triggered by the idea that, you know, there can't be moments of, of having some dominance oh, or yeah, whatever, like, if you're a submissive female or versus, but, or vice versa. I'm sure there are men that feel the same, oh, feel God. the same way. You know what I mean? I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Great stories in the book about men who want to be submissive. I love those stories. So, um, because you know what we're doing with this book is we're shattering shame and guilt around sex, shame from the church, shame from society, shame from your parents. We're taking all that, Michaela, and blasting it out of the water finally. You know, and so to answer your question, there's three different realms in this lifestyle. There's the dominant, there's the submissive, and then there's something called the switch. And w there's a story in there that I share about, you know, a couple that got together that were switches, which meant that every other week one became dominant and one became submissive. Sometimes once a month, someone would go, you know, I really just want to be submissive all month long. So you can create this lifestyle to meet your personality and the needs of your partner. Not to be mistaken for lazy. <laughs> what, wait, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I'm just going to lay here. Oh, yeah, no. And as a matter of <laughs> that's so cute. That's cute. I mean, and I'm just saying what I hear, you know, women, friends, like, my the the friends group that I have we we have these kinds of lighthearted joking conversations. I'm very I'm very blessed to live in a small town. People speak raw. You know we we were we had a birthday party. We were at a birthday party the other day. or we drinking and playing a game called Over the Line, which is freaking awesome game by the way. Yeah. It's a uh, Pictionary for adults. Okay. So literally, <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell this story. We were out. This was pre COVID. We were out at the uh, at the beach. We were all camping. My parents, my brother, every, we were all, you know, a couple of our friends, and we were playing this game over the line. It was pouring rain, so we, we were playing it inside the trailer. We had the windows open because there were so many of us in this, like, you know, 27-foot trailer. Uh, and uh, and here's my sister-in-law. She's drawing. She's drawing. And, and you're hearing my mom scream, gangbang, gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> People are walking by the camp down and they're, they're looking going, well, that is a bad case of Tourette's happening in there. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's the best game. So we, so we play these sorts of games and we have these sorts of like, we laugh, we joke about these sorts of things. But anyway, back to the submissive not being lazy. Sorry. Yeah. Tangent. So, and, and by the way, any submissive that just lays there, they're going to be gone in a heartbeat. Okay, a dominant person does not want a doormat. And that's something that, you know, we describe in the book. A lot of women think submissives is just laying on your back and taking whatever their dominant wants to do. And that is so unattractive to everyone. Um, if you're going to be submissive, you have to be an active submissive. If you're going to be dominant, you have to be an active dominant, which we explain a thousand different options in the book on how to do this. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting um, when we look at Fifty Shades of Grey, I think the series sold four million copies or some amazing amount. Most of the women that bought that those books are highly conservative in nature, Michaela. Most of the women that went to the movies are incredibly conservative in nature. So what does that tell us? What does it tell us when Harlequin Books sells one point two erotic million 1.2 million erotic novels a year. It's saying we are not getting our needs met in the physical world. We've got to go into fantasy book, fantasy movies, fantasy book, fantasy movies. And what we're saying with this book is let me teach you how to take the fantasy and make it your reality. I like that. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, it's an interesting thing. This came up the other day. Uh, my husband forgot his swim trunks at the lake. And it's a, and I said, well, your underwear basically look like swim trunks. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's hardly nobody there. Let's just, just jump in. Whatever. Who cares? I brought my bathing suit. He didn't. Whatever. Uh, and, and I feel like we've created this culture and this is not to, this is not to downplay at all what is going on in the way of the world that is very real and very disgusting in the way of human trafficking. Yes. Um, you know, uh, exploitation of children, pornography, this is not in any way to downplay that, but I do think that we've created this environment where being human and appreciating our bodies as they are, our skin has been uh, taboo. If, I mean, if we were to take it back to biblical talk, right? Like Adam and Eve were naked 
until mm-hmm. they ate that apple. Like yep. that's, that's the reality of it. And in Europe, uh, you know, it, it, nudity is, is very common. Yeah. Speedos are, are in trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really here in the U S that we've kind of squashed and made it something like, Ooh, no, no, no. And, and other countries as well. I mean, I know there are other countries that, that do. Oh, same. big time. Big and and time, so yeah. I feel like, I feel like the deeper conversation is like, how do we bridge the gap between being human and, and what is considered like, uh, you know, satanic or devilish or whatever, like, how do we bridge that gap to, to find that space where it's, it's healthy and normal quote normal <laughs> and not, and not like that. You know what I mean? And I don't know, I don't have the answers. I guess I'm just posing the question. Yeah. And this book answers that question. Enlighten me, David. 50 flavors of erotic love is the book that answers the question. How do we move from this shame, guilt ridden society into one that is open, loving, honest, communicative, and free. And that's what the book does. It says you need to talk to your partner. You don't abuse your partner. If your partner says, I'm not comfortable with that, you back off. We're very logical. You know, I'm very erotic, Michaela, and I want this world to wake up sensually, but I'm very common sense oriented. You know, we're not saying that you, if, if you have a submissive husband or a submissive wife, you can do whatever the hell you want to them. We're not talking about that. We're saying it has to come with 100% consent. It has to be consensual. But on the other token, like I mentioned earlier, you know, throughout the books, we have uh, exercises. What's the greatest experience you've ever had? You know, what is it that you've never done that you would love to do? What turns you on physically? You know, I've worked with people, I've worked with men, and this is just such a fascinating thing. And I'll say to them, you know, I'm expecting, you know, threesomes or, you know, I want to make love to Pamela Anderson or something like that. And I'll say, let's just stay with your wife, your girlfriend. When she's doing X, you get really turned on. And I'll get answers like, when my wife is bending over the sink, putting lipstick on, and she has the lipstick in her hand, and she's doing her lips, it drives me freaking nuts. So then I'll say, have you ever shared that with her? And of course, the, the answer is the answer is never. Oh my yeah. God, no! Now let me go back to my first experience, you know, with this, which was mind blowing. Um, my 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 very first experience when I realized I was dominant and I had been but, handcuffed. But let my, me pause you because you yeah. know what's sad is is the wife probably doesn't. She's she's probably doing all these other things to try to get his attention and doesn't even know. And you know what I mean? Like, she's probably trying to do all these other things that he's like, oh, my God, what the hell is she doing? Like That is repulsive. Well, 100%, Michaela. And that's why we say throughout the book, talk, 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 risk, be vulnerable. Could you get rejected? Yes. Could your partner leave you? Yes. Are the odds of that happening only if you have a crap marriage anyway? And they're just looking for an excuse. <laughs> you know, if you have that crappy of a relationship that someone comes up and says, I'd like to use a feather on your nipples and you go, that's it. I'm divorcing you. Well, there was a divorce coming anyway. <laughs> you know, like that's, right. that's, that's not right. fodder for divorce. But, you know, my first experience. So 1996, um, you know, I, I, had, I had been an altar boy, for God's sake. I didn't want to look at other women when I was with a partner, which I think is highly respectful. I still don't do that today. But I had so many handcuffs, Michaela. And then I'm dating this woman for a year. Now, listen to this story. I'm dating her for a year. I am nutso over her. I'm nutso over her body, her smile, everything. I'm, you know. And so I would compliment her on her smile, on her humor. I would never talk about her freaking body. That's my issue. That's my guilt and shame. One night... I said, that's it. I am not being honest. I'm not being filled with integrity. We were out to a restaurant. She was dressed incredibly beautiful. She had this very tight dress on. She happened to have large breasts and she had a tiny waist. And she stood in, in the moonlight. I'll never forget this. I'm seeing this silhouette going, oh, my freaking God. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've been with her for a year. I've never talked to her about her body. I don't want to be... Um, uh, an objectifier. I don't want to be a pig. I don't want to be a dog. And I'm sitting here thinking, wait a second. What the heck am I thinking? So I, we got home and I, I sent her an email, right? From, from home. <laughs> I sent her an email <laughs> saying, I just have to tell you, I've never said this. I don't know why I haven't, but your body drives me crazy. When I saw you standing in the moonlight with your waist and your large breasts, it made me go freaking crazy for you. 
And I said, I'm just going to send it and see what happens. You know, I get this. I, and I say in the book, I wish I saved her email. I get this response, Michaela, that was so incredible. You're right. You've never told me that. And I've always wondered why. You're right. I have large breasts and other men I've been with have always told me how beautiful they are. You've never mentioned a thing. As a matter of fact, you've just opened up a doorway. I want to take you tomorrow to get a latex bodysuit. And I want to blow your mind and make love all day. Now, I held that key for a year, Michaela. I could have said that at any time. I waited a year. I was a good altar boy for a year. What a bunch of nonsense. And at the end of that open, honest communication, our entire life changed together. Our sex life improved dramatically. We started going down different rabbit holes. We loved each other immensely. And we were always monogamous with each other. And that's what we say in the book. You know, when you start to breach these topics that may be uncomfortable. And one of the things we say is if you don't know how to do it, work with me or work with Michaela or work with someone. No, not me. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm terrible. Don't don't call me. (laughs) Okay, don't call you. (laughs) Call me. Don't call me. (laughs) Call me because, you know, I will absolutely help you learn how to communicate. I'll help you learn how to find out what your interests and desires are. You know, many of us have no clue what they are, Michaela. Many women don't know what a G-spot is. Many women don't know even if they're capable of multiple orgasms. They've never played with their nipples. They've never run a feather on the inside of their thighs to see what it feels like. And there's really simple things. You know, you mentioned earlier, let's say you have 12 kids and you're exhausted. So, you know, your partner lays down at 11 o'clock at night with a a mask, a blind mask on, and you take oil and you drip it all over her body and you just let it sit. And then you choose one area and you just slowly massage that oil. And then you can move down into their erogenous zones, but we don't start there. Let's start on the periphery. Let's start on the side of a woman's breast. The side of many women's breasts are some of the most sensitive nerve endings in the world. So take a feather there. Go to the inside of the thigh. Go down to the top of the foot. Go underneath the foot while they're laying there. In other words, you can create something in 45, 50 seconds where someone who is not interested in making love all of a sudden is interested. (laughs) So let me ask you this, because I recently pulled the stats on this podcast, and it's like 98% female, right? Yeah. It's probably precisely your audience, actually. But but let me just just ask you this, because I I hear this a lot. I feel fat. So, So how can women who maybe want to feel more open with their partner uh, move past that, their self narrative that they're not attractive enough or, you know, there's, there's self-conscious spots. Like I had three kids with this body or, or whatever. Yeah. How can they yeah. move through that? Cause I we, know there's probably a lot of women listening thinking, Oh my God, I would never lay there naked with the lights on. Let my husband do that. Yeah. You know what I'm All saying? Right. Like I'm just, I'm just getting into the mind of, of the, of the people that I work with. I'm wondering. Well, you've obviously read the book. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Because, yes, we have a story exactly about that. Let me tell you the story. This is awesome. This woman who's 200 pounds overweight contacts me. And she says, you know, my, I have several girlfriends that have come to you and, the, you know, you've helped them understanding erotica and their sensual needs and sexual needs. And I'm very embarrassed to see you, David, because I'm 200 pounds overweight. I have never felt sexual. I've never felt sensual. I don't know if it's a waste of my time and money to work with you. And so I said, I'll tell you what. Instead of doing eight sessions, let's do four. If at the end of four sessions you don't feel this is for you, not a problem. At least you've made a decision and you can go back to your old ways. I said, but I think if you if you follow what I'm saying, we're simply going to work on your self-confidence and self-esteem and the rest will take care of itself. So we started working together. At the end of four weeks, she says, are you kidding me? I'm never stopping this work. <laughs> and listen to this. At the end of eight weeks, Michaela, this is a woman that never wore makeup rarely ever wore jewelry because she was so embarrassed. She couldn't think that she could be 200 pounds overweight and pretty or attractive. She never wore lingerie. She had no kind of like really beautiful satin underwear or, or bras that would, you know, elicit a beautiful feeling against her body. So we started there. We got her going out buying uh, satin panties and bras and we had her get uh, lingerie. 
um, I had her get the, the eye mask and she went to a, a, a department store and she started learning makeup. That woman never lost an ounce, never lost any of her 200 pounds. At the end of eight weeks, she was a freaking rock star. And several months down the road, she contacts me and goes, I've got to talk to you today. She said, David, my overall confidence has attracted this most amazing man into my life who adores my body, worships my body, because I finally learned how to adore myself. Wow. You know, as you're talking, I was thinking about, and I don't know why this came into my mind, but I was thinking about how I feel like actually culturally, ethnically, there's a, there's a big difference here. I mean, I, I do, I do, and I don't mean to put any stereotypes on anybody, but it's interesting because I've seen how certain ethnicities and certain cultures really embrace, you know, being on the larger side or, or mm-hmm. whatever like that. And they're not so held back. I, I wonder, had, did, did you tap into any of that? Like, find that it's more like maybe Caucasian women or, or a different ethnicity? I mean, do you, have you seen anything with that? Well, you know, that the, the several larger black women I've worked with had no issue <laughs> once they found out what their sexual desires were to really come out of the box and talk to their partners about them. You know, now, now right. that's a, a small sample compared, you know, cause mainly the most of the women that come to me have been white up to this point. But that's going to change with this book. You know, in the book, we say, I don't care what your sex is, your sexual identity. I don't care what your size, body size, your ethnicity. I don't care about anything. I just want people to understand the power that they have to be loving, kind, monogamous, and highly sexual. Now, the black women I've worked with, they've been very brazen, (laughs) Michaela. I was curious. I was curious about that. Yeah, you know, they'll come in and I'll go, well, I really think that you should learn how to use restraints. The next time I talk to them, they've got ropes in their hands. So every woman, no matter, you know, your body size, your sexual identity, I mean, a lot of people today are confused with their sexual identity. They're still trying to figure it out. Your race, your nationality, whatever it might be, you know, it doesn't matter with this type of lifestyle, Michaela, because what we're doing is we're getting people to the basics of finally understanding themselves finally understanding their own needs, their own desires without shame or guilt. So you can be 200 pounds overweight. You can weigh 99 pounds. You can be bisexual. You can be, it doesn't matter because the premise is what am I doing in this world that can benefit my partner? What can I do to enhance the connection between my partner and I? And obviously, you know, the most powerful emotion in the world, driven emotion is sex, and, and it's funny, I have a quote in the book, Michaela, um, out of, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on, the, on uh, the, the author's name. Oh God, I talk about this guy every day. I'm thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, and in there he talks about, you know, that sex is the driving force and depending on how you use it. So what we're saying is, Use this incredible gift that God or whoever has given us of sensuality, sexuality for your connection with your partner monogamously, which I keep going over. You know, there is nothing, in my opinion, now people may disagree if you're in a 30-year marriage that has sucked for 29 and a half years, but if you're in a decent marriage, there's nothing more exciting than taking your relationship to the next level the next level and the next level versus bouncing into someone else's bed, learning all about them all over again, trying the, you know, trials and errors. It's like, no, unless you're in a relationship that's emotionally or physically abusive or there's raging addiction, we want to help people turn that boring, non-committed, non-intimate relationship into something beautiful, Michaela. I love that. I love that. And, and I mean, and I think that like, what just really bums me out is that, um, you know, people say that it's, it's boring and it's, and it's all these things, but 
I mean, really, if, if you look at, if you look at the amount of passion that can come from having been in a relate and a trusting relationship for that long, it's pretty incredible. You know what I mean? Like it really is. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's, I mean, it is so beautiful. And, and once again, we're, we're asking people to slow down, you know, and to do things. Now, you know, as a minister, when I marry people, I go into heavy discussions about their sexual interest in that because too many of us are afraid to talk. These conversations that we're asking people through our book, 50 plus flavors of erotic love to share with their partner really should be shared the first 30, 60, 90 days you're together. You know, like this, this should be, hey, we're going to be monogamous. We want to date exclusively. Okay, good. Let's go into David's book. Let's work with someone to figure out what we're embarrassed about talking about or what we're ashamed of talking about, our needs, our desires. And, and so what we want to do is say, well, if you didn't do this when you first got in the relationship, don't let another year go by. Because, Michaela, you know how quick 30 years of marriage goes, 10 years, 20 years. It's a blink of an eye and it makes it really easy for people to go, you know what? That sounds great. What David and Michaela are talking about, but, but wait until COVID's over with, <laughs> wait until, oh boy. The kid, you know, it's like, okay, well, COVID may never go away. So let's get rid, rid of that nonsense. Um, your kids may go to school and they may be back in your house full time in 30 days. So let's not count on anything other than today to start changing this so that you and your partner can have something that maybe you've never experienced up to this very moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I just think that that is, it's just so true. Um, It's, it's kind of going back to like what you said earlier about, you know, excuses. I mean, we, we can all make them, we can all find a million, a million excuses at any time to, to get out of something that feels uncomfortable, puts us in a space where we're vulnerable yeah. Or where we have to deal with old, old stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's really a lot of this is dealing with old stuff. It is. You know, when w- there's stories in there, you know, that we share about women that had never expressed and men that had never expressed their desires. And when I went back in time and worked with them, and Michaela, you know this all so well, you know, it's pretty easy to find where the shame and guilt begins with sex. You know, if like we we had there's a story in there I tell about a woman that became a sex addict um, and then we I helped her shatter her addiction and she got into this most incredible relationship. But, you know, at 12, her father was making fun of her breasts. And she carried that with her. You know, she was embarrassed. She didn't want men to find, you know, to see her breasts. She didn't want anything to do with it. And so she shut down. And then because she lives in a small town and everyone knows she was raised in this extremely strict church that, you know, she couldn't be who she was. She was an incredible sexual being who was shut down by her father. Then when she went to college, she became a sex addict, a nymphomaniac. And then I helped her break that. But when we went back and said, where the hell did all this start? Well, she was filled with shame and guilt from her church and her father. Right. You know, and a lot of us don't even know where it started, Michaela. And that's one of the things, you know, I know you don't want to do this work, but I love it. And I love helping. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's it's my prudish nature. Yeah, I hear you, honey. (laughs) You know, but I love to have people. I I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how to, like, get out the comfort zone of the granny panty. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Well, we, we, we are doing it, you know, and, and one of the beautiful things is, is to see a client when they realize where that shame and guilt became, came from and how unnecessary it is and how God loves them anyway. You know, I mean, I, we deal with so much stuff, you know, will God be pissed off if I wear this lingerie in front of my husband? It's like, wow, that's some of the stuff we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's no good. That's no, but you know, there we go to mass consciousness, you know, our society, listen, parents do the best they can, but their number one goal is to control their children. Churches, their number one goal is to control their, their parishioners society. The number one goal is to keep everyone in line. You draw outside the boxes. People don't like you, Michaela. 
Right. And what we're what we're saying is, come on, gang, you know, like, let's wake up. It's 2020. You're still following your parents shame and guilt, your church shame and guilt, society shame and guilt. How about becoming right. an independent human being where you can really start to enjoy your partner and yourself? Right. I love that. I, I love that. And I and I think that, like you said, it's a lot about getting comfortable with yourself and knowing what what you need and what you yes. want. And I do think that a lot of us are, are out of touch with that. I think a lot of us are not, um, you know, willing to kind of ex- explore that. It, it's easier to be a people pleaser and, yep. and go through life than it is to please yourself. That's right. And let's go back to something you said, because this is huge. I've worked with some of the most macho men that don't know a damn thing about sex. I've worked with a lot of men that have not a clue of what a woman's body is capable of doing. I've worked with a lot of women that have no clue of what their body is capable of doing. And I've worked with a lot of women that don't know the first thing about what a man's desires might be. And here's the funny thing, Michaela, a lot of the quote unquote secrets of being a great lover and it's little things. It's sending a text during the day. You are the most gorgeous woman I've ever met. I am going to ravish you at 8 p.m. tonight. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's right. have freaking fun. You know, right. let's, let's have a blast, you know. And yes, and all kinds of great. But it's communication, Michaela. You know, it's who am I? What am I? What are my desires? What are my needs? Then for your partner, what do they want? What are their needs? What are their desires? And then don't just come home and have sex. Don't come home on Saturdays and expect sex because it's obligatory sex. Work it up. Get people excited. Leave notes about what you want to do with each other. You know, text, call, email. But we need to get engaged in this because this is one of the most beautiful things that couples share that hopefully they're not sharing with their office mates, their bodies. You know, it's like, like, let's take advantage of this, this gift that we have to pleasure each other, to excite each other, because in the pleasuring and the excitement will come a closeness that you're not going to get by shaking hands in the morning and saying, have a good day. I, I, yeah, absolutely. 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 I love that. Yeah. And this whole thing like, Oh, you know, kiss your spouse when they get home, even that can become monotonous. Like if you, you know, don't put rules on, on having to do this same thing or this thing, like even that, even that sets it up for the kind of the, the boring trap or whatever. Absolutely. Unless you're saying when you come home, 15 minutes of deep French kissing, then that'll add a little just different spell oh, to it. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this, this was a great conversation. Michaela, well do you love this of my or what? Zone. <laughs> Michaela, do you love this or what? <laughs> not going to lie. I, I'm a little blushy. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it was more when TJ reached out to me. I thought, like, we're going to have a conversation about law of attraction. And <laughs> he just says, hey, let's get David back on the podcast. I say, great. Next time I should probably ask. And what And what about? <laughs> what, what the hell? That's so cute. Well, that is so adorable. Well, Michaela, let me let me share the same thing with you in that a very similar thing that a lot of people are saying. People have no idea the depth that we go in in therapy. You know, like people don't know that some of the deepest cases that you've had, you may or may not share with the public. There's a lot that I've been doing over many, many years that a lot of people that follow me and like my work have no clue about. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to finally come out with this and to say, hey, I've been behind the scenes doing this for 23 years. Now it's time for you to benefit on the work we've been doing. You know, what's funny is as you were talking, I was thinking about how it, it, it seems like it would be one of those things that it, it, it's kind of like coming out of the closet or something, you know, like it's a big yes. conversation. I mean, it really is. Yeah. You know, I've had some people because we've been slowly starting to leak onto social media that the book is coming, you know, and um, 99 percent of the response has been incredible. But I've had a couple people send me emails going, have you really changed that much? 
<laughs> and, right. and it's funny. I haven't changed at all. You it, just isn't that interesting, though? I've, I've had uh, as I've started to ha- to open the conversations with the But Why series, I've had people say, you know, and I've been you know, just various different emails and things like people say, has your email been hacked? Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) They don't like that. They don't want to be outside that comfort zone, you know? No. And, you know, for us talking about sex, for God's sake, oh, my Lord. You know, there's a lot of people that, and these are the same people that say, I don't want to talk about sex that are reading Fifty Shades of Grey behind everyone's back. Um, You know, they're sneaking into the theaters. They're they're watching, you know, uh, porn or whatever they're doing. Uh, but they don't want to admit that they're interested in sex. They're just going to keep it on the down low. And that is really damaging to self-confidence and self-esteem. Right. Right. You know, you can't hide things and feel good about yourself. You know, anything you're hiding from yourself, your partner, your family. And I'm not saying you know, go to your mom and dad and go, hey, here's a new gangbang video that I heard about. <laughs> Speaking about, was it your mother-in-law that said that or something? About- yes, yes. <laughs> well, it's because it was the it was what she was trying to guess that she was drawing on <laughs> right. that game over the right. line. Oh, my God. It's oh, hilarious. That's just so funny. But That game know- is awesome. It's so good. It sounds fun, Michaela. It really does. <laughs> but but we're not saying, you know, that you need to come out of this quote unquote hidden closet of sexuality and start to tell people that you're into all this wild stuff. That's not the point. The point is we need to get you comfortable first before you share with your partner. And as a matter of fact, there's stories in the book where we say to people, once you tap into this vein of sensuality of yours that you've never tapped into, don't spring it on your partner. Like, don't come home one day and go, hey, you know what? I'd love to do X, and X is mind-blowing to them. You know, you've got to get clear, focused, work with a professional to help you learn how to dialogue correctly with information about sex that you've never talked to your partner about. Like, really slow down is what the word is. Slow down, get clear before you share. I, I love that. I love that. This was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming back on. Oh, Michaela, I love being <laughs> on with you. <laughs> um, oh, this is awesome. Well, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear how the book does. I can't wait to get my copy um, and get outside my comfort zone. <laughs> oh, it, you know, and for all of your listeners, Michaela, they can grab their copy right now. All they need to do is go to talkdavid.com. T-A-L-K-David.com, and we're already got the book up there for sale. And yes, we will get you your copy, and you will love it. Oh my gosh, so exciting! I can't wait. Good. I'm curious to think what my husband, see what my husband thinks. Oh, you got to <laughs> share it with him. Share it with him. <laughs> I will. I will. He's a lot less prudish than me, so he'll probably appreciate it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you have a great day, David. Michaela, I will. You as well, and I look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.